This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news, today's talk. 640 Toronto. The TTC ends up making a deal with Rogers. Like, this is a, a great example. Rogers is going to bring 5G full service to TTC, TTC subways. Um, I, what I don't know, and I don't know that anybody knows yet, is, like, does this mean it as low as you go, as deep as you go underground, you'll be able to make calls, check data, um, or is it just in the stations themselves? You walk off the train, get into the station, and it would pick up your signal. I don't know the answer to that, and I don't know if anybody does. Well, I think the reason, first of all, this is incredible news. This is what we've all been pushing mm-hmm. for. It's so needed. Uh, and f- so in 2012, BIA, who was the company that that had the rights for this, they bought this contract for $25 million. Uh, and now all of the telecom companies have been sort of hesitating because they don't want to share. They don't want to share with the other telecom companies. So they're, they're saying, you know what, we can't do it for this reason. We can't do it for that reason. So Rogers came out of nowhere. I, I didn't see this coming. I didn't know it was going to happen as quickly as it did. Uh, and they bought BIA or they're planning on buying them. Yeah. So what's going to happen now is uh, this is going to be a revamp. So Freedom Mobile was the only telecom company that was able to use the coverage through BIAs. They're the ones who actually signed up for it. So now that Rogers owns it, or they're going to be owning it within, you'll have 911 coverage for the whole system. Uh, and you're going to be able to use your cell phone on yeah. the 5G network, which I just think is going to make so many people feel so much better, so much safer, so much more comfortable taking the TTC. You remember they put out a text line the TTC did about three and a half weeks ago, probably at the height of a lot of the, uh, close to it, at a lot of the concerns and the alarming incidents and the news reports of it. And people were thinking, that's great. Um, so I wait till I get out of the whatever danger I, th- I perceive myself to be in or I'm actually in. And I walk up, I walk through the gates, up the steps to the street. And then I text you and say something happened. Like, that's no good. That's no, no good it's at useless. that point in time. Exactly. So this this deal is going to take, this build actually for the 5G network is going to take about two years only because they want to keep the subway operational. And because of that, uh, it's going to take some time for the construction and whatnot. Uh, but it's going to cover... 75 stations and 80 kilometers of the subway system, which Mm. is incredible. Freedom Mobile prior to um, had 6% of the market for cell phones, which I get people might think, oh, I didn't even know it was that high. But remember, that's knowing one out of every every 20 people or so. And it's mostly in urban areas of Ontario, BC, and Alberta. Nobody in the country has it. Nobody in the Maritimes has it. Mm -hmm. Um, So there probably are some, you know, now and then you look in, it's strange because I think if we belong to one of the bigger companies, we look and it's, it's almost like somebody is really quirky when they're like, oh, yeah, I've got Kudo or I've got or I have wind. Or, and you're like, how's that going? For <laughs> and you, you judge them a little bit, right? We do. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Get your kid wind or Kudo or or because uh, I'm watching. I've like I got my kids uh, Fido on their cell phones, but Fido is Rogers. Basically, there's they're right next to each other in the malls and in the kiosks and everything. What's really interesting we're going to play an Anna Bylaw clip in a second is she says that she, and she said this yesterday, even on our show, she's going to cancel the city cell phone contracts if they refuse coverage underground. So I, I don't know. She says they have $30 million Sheba of cell phone contracts with Bell Rogers and Telus. Is that now because Rogers has done this? Will they cancel Bell and Telus contracts and become a Rogers only city? Like did Rogers just make a lot more millions of dollars in terms of a contract with city employees? Like if every employee has to be on a Rogers phone 
for it to get covered. Uh, here's some of what Anna Bilo said yesterday I, I, about uh, the TTC and safety and how this all meshes together. And again, yeah, with this news, she's going to do a bit of a victory lap. But I also want to press her on why she was a city councilor and why the mayor, basically a, a Rogers a sub-employee, didn't get this done earlier. Safety mm. needs to be provider provided and and ridership needs to be uh, to be increased. And the only way that you're going to increase the ridership on the TTC is if you provide safety and if you increase the services so that you have a reliable and convenient TTC, a TTC that is uh, equipped with cell phones so you feel better, a TTC mm. that has people and eyes and support on the platforms, a TTC uh, that is safe and that is convenient. Anna Bylaws, our guest on 640 Toronto, Toronto Today. You're well aware that um, the previous mayor, John Tory, had a relationship with, with Rogers and a paid uh, stipend, if you will, $100,000 a year from Rogers. Do, is there, do you look at that and go, that must have got in the way of getting this done with the telecoms? I mean, is there any other way to observe it? that you know We need a mayor that doesn't have that sort of relationship and conflict? Oh, absolutely. Uh, we need a mayor that doesn't take no for an answer. Uh, that's the kind of person that I am. And uh, that's why I put the telcos already on notice that we have $30 million in contracts that uh, will be awarded to to uh, companies that provide reliable uh, Wi-Fi on the on the TTC, and that's why I will push to have the federal government involved in this and to make sure that they compel the telcos to provide um, uh, Wi-Fi on the TTC. Okay, so we'll see where that goes, and and I think it's important to note. Um, someone writes it's through the system, including underground between the stations. I think that is the goal: um, is just to be able to to reach people but you can't we, we, it can't be spotty sheep but you can't be going oh there's four stations with no service now i got one that has it oh my phone's up oh I, we're only here eight seconds no no it's for all wireless coverage for all 75 stations that's what they're promising right now and that's 80 kilometers of the subway system but i wonder if we're are we experiencing it prior to when the next mayor takes office because that was my big worry is we're going to wait till June 26th. That person's going to take a vacation. Then they're going to come in and whenever City Hall. City Hall is only going to sit so much in July and August. So basically, do we go into the three months without this security, a necessary security blanket as well? This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news. Today's talk. 640 Toronto. Let's update this because I don't, we might have mentioned it briefly yesterday, but more context was learned as the day went on yesterday. I'm going to try not to get emotional about this. I'm not a puppy owner yet, but I love I love animals. You're, you've got two new cats, so we're both cat owners. And the Toronto Humane Society uh, took possession of Max, this lovely three-year-old dog. He was left in uh, the Davenport area, tied in a park, uh, like to a post, by the owner. Here's the note, because they recovered the note. Max. Will be four in June. Very smart. Not fixed. Good with kids. Lost my job. Lost my apartment. Can't afford to take care of him. He's a good boy. Okay. He, the family said they were heartbroken, quote, end quote, but felt the best outcome for Max is to find him a new home. I They gave the family the option to take Max back. And I don't think they should have. No, absolutely I think that's not. crazy. Imagine you do that to your kid and yeah, a lot of people are saying, oh, a pet is not a kid. No, to me in my household, my pets are my children. Family me- and family members are family members. Yes. Um, and it's different. You you realize, you, <laughs> I think most people look at a dog or cat and they're like, eh, 
If I get a good decade and a half out of this uh, relationship, fantastic. We ha- we lost a cat four years ago. It's terrible. Like you're not the same for a week and a half after that. A week and a half. Well, it, it really like it's it t- months for me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so Max got left, and and he's going to get rehomed. But as I said to you guys yesterday, there is an easy process to get with the Humane Society and say, help me out here. Now, I know that people think if you drop your dog off at the Humane Society, there's a chance that dog could be euthanized. And I don't know what the percentage chance of that would be. It'd be the first thing on my mind. I'd love to think I would never do it. I'm not in this person's shoes. Here's what I know I wouldn't do. Tie him to a post in a park. A a, a fox could come by. Five foxes could come by. A coyote could come by. A huge dog could come by. And Max is tied up. Like, again, this isn't... He's not wandering around. I I, I find this deplorable. People are, like, empathizing with the owner, and I I can't do it. I can't do it. This is the last thing that you can do is ta- the I'm looking at the dog's face and I can't keep looking at the dog's face because it's like we got three minutes to get through the face. segment walking away from that face and just ab- they literally abandon their dog in the park and that's just you're right tied up you never know what can happen or who can come along and take the dog yeah right you have to make, make sure it's a trusted person who who cares for animals I know people will make the distinction I feel like there was an awful case again I don't want to get all uh, morbid but w- we've got to make co- some comparative justice qu- uh, questions here I know there's been there was a big news story about somebody that a cat was ejected from a window on one of our major highways and died. And they sent that person to jail and that I don't want Max's owner to go to jail, but I don't want him to ever own a pet again. And I'm at I'm at my wits end to figure out how they gave him a chance to take Max back. Why wouldn't he do it a second time? That's exactly it. I'm lost in terms of trying to figure that part out. I'm with you on this. I'm baffled as well. I, I mean, humane society. I understand that you, you know, th- there's a lot going on, especially, you know, Easter. People gift bunny rabbits. You know this. This is a thing. I saw right? that story Friday. <laughs> yes, people will gift a bunny rabbit to kids and surprise them. There's a bunny in a basket. It looks really cute. It's Easter weekend. Everybody gets excited, and then they realize a week later, oh, we have to care for this bunny. So a bunch of these bunnies end up at the humane society, and they had a campaign saying, "Do not gift a bunny, please, because if you can't care for it." It's just a waste of everybody's resources and time. I guess I guess the feeling must. It looks as cool as like those commercials where somebody gets a Lexus at Christmas and it's in a, like a bow. There's a bow on the car out in the driveway, and the husband got it for the wife, or the wife got it for the husband. A bunny is like, hey guys, Easter. Like what? What better way to to you know signify Easter than a rabbit that we have to take care of until 2035? Well, that what ha- that's what happened during the pandemic, and maybe this is a pandemic pet. I don't know. Where people were gifted, you're at home, you can't go anywhere, you can only go on walks. Oh, let's get a family dog. And now that the pandemic is over, there are so many animals that were sent to humane society. So many, yeah. I'd like to believe also, um, and someone brought this up to me, and I'm trying not to be cynical about this. Did the person leave Max to draw attention to the person's own issues? And try and get, but there was no con- there was financial no help. There was no contact info. So no, I don't think that would be the case. I didn't think so either. But you, like, it's awfully suspicious. And again, I I look at the scenario and I'm like, in no universe would anybody I know do this. And this isn't even the kind of thing. I had a friend of mine who I couldn't believe it. He got on the bus for school one morning in like third or fourth grade, and I knew their dog. I was over at their house a lot, and uh, and he was all upset about something and he wouldn't say. And then my parents found out later and they're like at dinner time that night, they're like, um, 
blah blah blah's dad who uh, shot shot the dog. He shot the dog for oh. take for eating steaks out of like a, like some kind of walk in freezer or something. And what happened to that blah blah blah's dad? I don't what? nothing zero zero. It was out in the country in 1980. Like it, oh. nothing would have happened. But that's horrifying to me that you that 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 was like the punishment. He shot the dog. And you're like, I don't want to go to that person's house anymore. Ever. I'm eight. And I know I don't want to look that dad in the eye, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. I know that's not what this owner did. And he did leave a note. And he said, I hope, but this could have gone really, really bad. No, this is a jerk owner. Thank you. This Thank is you. an absolute jerk. You don't leave your dog. I don't care what dire straits you're in. You don't leave any animal tied up in a park by yeah. themselves. I, I can't figure out for the life of me how the Humane Society's policy is to is to go, oh, Oh, okay. Simple mistake. Do you want the dog back? No, he didn't get out of the car. He didn't. He didn't get out of an Airbnb and and run downtown. He's not lost. You left him there, and you left him there specifically, specifically to abandon him, so you didn't have to take responsibility for him. And anymore. because you can't afford the dog then, what makes the Humane Society think you can afford the dog now? What changes? Unless, unless the person is suddenly like, oh my goodness, look at that. They have a GoFundMe page to take care of Max the next oh. three years. They don't, but again, this is this brings out the cynical nature in all of us. This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news, today's talk. 640 Toronto. Uh, our next guest is the uh, Liberal MP for Beaches East York. Uh, he joins now. we got a lot to get into. This Here's your here's your uh, requisite softball question. You've got some baseball uh, blood in your DNA. This must be always an exciting day for you. Yeah, I, I, I love this time of year. I just wish I had more time to, to follow baseball. I <laughs> I uh, feel like I'm traveling the province and, and not keeping up with uh, with the Jays as much as I want to be keeping up with them. But I I was just thinking, as I, I think a little bit more about cr- crisscrossing the province and, and spending time not just in my own riding, but in ridings around Scarborough, it's kind of nice because there's always a ball diamond close by that I played in. Oh, that's yeah, that, that's got to have some uniqueness to it. Also, if you ever become premier, I want you to ban sushi from Rogers Center. It doesn't belong there, Nate. Just... Just hot dogs, sausages, maybe the odd pretzel, but sushi's getting a little, we're getting a little off the, we got to meet people where they live on the sushi at the ballpark issue is, is the way, uh, is the way I would look at it. But that's, that's for a future day. Um, the, and just, just $20 beers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Tax deductible. So you can write that off on, uh, on the federal tax. So you've got some influence there. Um, it was really heavy news over the weekend. We didn't know about it until late Saturday, but there was um, an attack that it by all accounts could have been much, much worse um, at a Markham mosque. And I feel like there's there's a lot of groups that feel it, it isn't safe to go to the synagogue and it's not safe to go to the mosque and it's not even safe maybe to go to the Catholic Church. There's something going on. I don't know how it gets stopped, but I know we need to amplify and I know we need to be aware of it. There's no question. It's not new, unfortunately. And as a result, for many years now, we implemented at the federal level something called the Security Infrastructure Program to allow whether it's a synagogue, a mosque, or another faith-based institution to put in security cameras and security infrastructure to keep their community safe. Having said that, again, at the Markham Mosque, we saw someone come in, and frankly, it could have been devastating. Mm -hmm. It was horrible as it was, a hate-motivated attack, but if, if, but for the quick actions of the security guard, it could have been much worse with, with hundreds of people in the parking lot. And we obviously can't, it's, it's impossible to eliminate this kind of hate overnight, but, but there's obviously much more we need to do. And if you, if you follow the recommendations of folks at the National Council of Canadian Muslims, for example, they call for a stronger focus 
of addressing hate at all levels, including the education system, including among police officers and, and, and strengthening hate crime units and, and, and so much more. Yeah, I, th- I think the, the idea of a hate crime unit um, leaps off the page at me. I, even the Webster's Dictionary defines deterrence as the action of discouraging an action or event through instilling doubt or fear of the consequences. And it's hard to believe that we'd be living somewhere where someone would do this and not think, well, I, I can skirt the consequences or they won't be that severe because they should be severe in these cases. Yeah, there's no question. There's an open question how, how much deterrence plays a role in, in stopping someone from from doing something like this if, if they are so full of hate and i think that's there's a there's a long-term question of education to to stamp out that kind of hate from an early age because hate's obviously taught and, and one's not born with it and then as you say there are the immediate police and, and enforcement consequences to, to bring to bear you're traveling the province um getting a read for for what um people are feeling in in all the different ridings um we've talked about the work that the ontario liberal party has to do and you're you're you've hit the ground running and and you've covered a ton of ground there's there's 15 million people here but we're really spread out outside of a few major cities so you've gone to some places when you talk to younger voters i always feel like that's the generation i i don't want to be them to be cynical i'm sure when you were in your like early 20s mid 20s like, I, I do think that generation always feels like, whatever the era is, that, that they can change things. They can do better than we're doing. They can change the world. What what do you hear from people in their early to mid-20s about what they want and what they think works and what they think doesn't? There's no question there's still that sense of idealism, but there's also a great sense of frustration, particularly and acutely around housing. There's a feeling that they are, and, and the numbers do bear this out when, when you look at the generational unfairness to it that they are worse off than previous generations, that they are spending more on education, that they are earning not so much more or, or pretty pretty even to previous generations. And housing is wildly more expensive. What used to take five years to save a down payment, now in a community like Toronto takes over 30 years and in other communities across Ontario takes 20 plus years or 15 plus years. And that is deeply unfair. And it's acutely, acutely felt. Now, there's also a frustration just generally around partisan political uh, Mm -hmm. political parties. And so I think we, in politics, have to remind people, you may not see yourself in partisan politics, in in, in such, you know, hyper-partisan politics, but everything tracks back to politics, whether it is housing affordability, whether it's a stronger education system, whether it's better health care, whether it's treating drug use as a health issue and saving lives in the opioid crisis, whether it's better public transit, whether it's any poverty. Everything tracks back to politics. And so it's people like me that have to, whether it's getting into school systems, whether it's getting into the university system, we have to get to where people are, young people are, and remind people that politics is, for all of its faults, and there are faults to it, the most important way we make a difference in the lives of those around us. And we have to remind people that the answer is participation. Nathaniel Erskine Smith, our guest on Toronto today on 640 Toronto. I think you hit on it there because our parents um, would have lived through, you know, the 70s, the early 80s. And when they were buying homes, I mean, the interest rates were double digit. And and they went through, you know, a recession in 1990, 91, even if they bought a year and a half later. I can't look at my kids and you may not be able to look at yours and go, hey, dad, did you ever think you'd have to move out of Ontario? Hey, dad, did you ever think you wouldn't own a house? But you're right. The, those two questions right there. When we ask our kids that, and I'm asking mine a bit earlier than you're probably asking yours, like that's I'm I'm afraid of the answer. I don't want them to be able to say yes and yes. I'm worried about both things. And it's a challenging answer at the household level, as you're describing, as a matter of fairness. 
it's also a real challenge when you take a step back and you think of the broader economy, because if people are not staying in Ontario to work, it's a productivity challenge. If people aren't wanting to come to Ontario in the same way because of the high cost of living, it's a productivity challenge. So it is both a fairness challenge, mm-hmm. it's an economic challenge, and we have to bring to bear much stronger solutions. And we saw in advance of the weekend, of course, a drop on a day in advance of a long weekend to try and avoid the news. And for, to, this, to this point, by the way, I would have said to you, well, the Ford government is saying many of the right things, but they're not doing the right things. Now they're not even saying the right things, that they have completely dismissed smart growth planning. They've completely dismissed the need to add density, and they are going to put policies in place to further increase sprawl, the very opposite of what their housing affordability task force has called for. So you've got the housing affordability task force on the one hand saying, add density, make it easier for municipalities to build, and make sure that 1.5 million target over the next 10 years is part of planning guidance. And you've got Ford responding to say, we're going to increase sprawl and sell off the green belt. And, and so for a, a crisis situation for so many young people, you've got a, a government that unfortunately is being incredibly dismissive. Nate Erskine-Smith, our guest, um, you uh, were asked by Robert Benzie, the Toronto Star, last Wednesday about running in the upcoming Scarborough Guildwood provincial by-election. For people who don't know, Mitzi Hunter running for mayor would have to resign that seat before May 12th. So she's got about a month to go. Do you have a call to make? The concept is also um, Doug Ford really wants this seat. Um, he'd love to add Scarborough Guildwood. He'd love to add another uh, you know, seat to the, uh, the conservative majority. And this by-election may be, may be more uh, a quick process than one that gets drawn out. What are the parameters you have to weigh in your own mind for your own future uh, once Mitzi resigns that seat? I've been thinking about it, as I told Robert Benzie, but I, it's a challenging situation when I think through the, all of the factors, because on the one hand, I think the biggest difference I can make is at the provincial level. We have a very frustrating government. You know, I, I don't think as mean-spirited as maybe the, the Harper government was when I first got involved in federal politics, but there's a deep incompetence, and, and housing is a very good example, as we just discussed. So I think it would be great to be at Queen's Park and to hold this government accountable in a more serious way than this sort of invisible opposition we've got at the moment. Having said that, I am at the federal level right now. I'm building a team crisscrossing the province. You've mentioned the province is a big place. Mm -hmm. It's it's incredibly hard to to get around everywhere one needs to get to cover every corner, and it takes time. And I'm struggling with the idea that I would spend so much time in one riding because if I was going to run and... Scarborough Guildwood, I would want to build relationships there. I would want to spend time there. And I've got to be in 124 riding. So I'm, it really depends on the timing. If the timing is much later, I, I think maybe it does make some sense. But if it's right smack in the middle of a uh, leadership race that, that I'm going to want to be actively participating in, then it's, it's a bit more of a struggle. Okay, 90 seconds here. Uh, you, you saw the news, but I heard the news. And I mentioned it off the top as we were getting to uh, the TTC and Rogers make a deal. Um, you've been in on some of these um, parliamentary committee hearings with the, with the telecom uh, bigwigs. Um, this is progress. This has to be considered progress for uh, Rogers to put 5G all through our subway system. I think it'll increase confidence. It certainly will increase communication. What's your reaction to it? It's good. It's, it's a good step forward. Uh, not yet sufficient, but it's a good step forward. And, and I should say our 416 caucus, and it's Arif Rani and, and others who have been really vocal on this, and, and we wrote to the minister a week and a half, two weeks ago, to say this is something that, that, that had to be done. And so, yeah, it's nice to see 
results in, in some ways, at least, and some positive steps forward. And we need people to feel safe on the TTC. There's, there's no question about it. This is uh, a question of making sure that people feel safe in their own communities and feel safe getting around our city. And this is a small step in that direction, but, but it's a positive step. Nate, thanks for this. Great, uh, great to have you on. And we'll talk in a couple of weeks. Thanks, Greg. There's uh, Nathaniel Erskine-Smith, our guest, Beaches East York. This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news. Today's talk. 640 Toronto. Are you in or out? Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. So are we in or out? You're out. You are over and out. No, 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 no. Insulted him a little bit. I'm okay with it, but now you're making me feel weird about it. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> okay, our in or out is all about this. Wait a minute. We don't have none of this stuff in the boys. Wait a minute. We don't got none of this. We don't got doors on the stalls in the boys. We don't have what is this? We don't have a candy machine in the boys room. We don't got none of that. None of that. I'm sorry. No, I want the principal here. I want him here this instant. Oh, now, this instant. I'll wait. That's pretty in pink where Ducky gets thrown into the uh, girl's bathroom. Every boy's <laughs> dream for a brief period of time until they realize they're in the girl's bathroom. In high school, that is. In high school, that is. Uh, and we bring this up, uh, Sheba and Gord, because this is the headline from Good Friday. Uh, Taylor Swift's Eras Tour has made women take over men's restrooms. So the concept seems to be that Taylor Swift's audience at these giant stadiums, like these, she's playing nothing but like NFL stadiums because she can. So the Eras Tour has, you know, 60, 70,000 fans. And basically... Sometimes more than that. Sometimes up to 100,000. Oh, my. Oh, yeah. In Dallas. Dallas you're right. Dallas, yeah. she had 100,000. Yeah. at the. Uh, that's right. Okay. So I'm seeing this TikTok video she's now. She's the real deal. She's the real deal. She's like, there's, she's the biggest box. Nobody else can put uh, butts in the seats. You're going to see Taylor Swift. I am. In, uh, can I say where? Yeah, go ahead. In Nashville, Tennessee. Yes. What a trip. My daughter. I've never done either of those things. Been to Nashville, seen Taylor Swift. Me neither. I have used the boys' bathroom. <laughs> I'm going to go in several minutes and do it again. Um, but bottom lining it, this is not, I'm just saying, okay, so there's way more women than men. That's the concept. And uh, maybe even in NFL stadiums, I'm going to make this argument here based on this in or out. And our in or out question is, should, um, should women be allowed to use the men's bathrooms? And I will make the case that maybe that that we overrepresent the men's the spaces for men at an NFL stadium. I haven't done the numbers to like look at say Scotiabank Arena to think. Now they're only doing this based on demographics. It's not some you know sex bias to say well more men will be at the game, so we need more men's spots. But men can stand up. Yes, and women and they're fast. Right? Are we? They're in and out. Well, <laughs> yeah. look at the lineups. Compared That's, to lineups, the men's bathroom rarely has a lineup. The women's bathroom goes out the door around the corner. So let, let's get into some of the, before we give our in-out uh, decisions, have you ever have you ever pushed your way through a bunch of dudes and, and used the men's bathroom? Uh, I've never pushed my way through a bunch of dudes, but yes, I have used a men's bathroom. Before. How does when that you gotta feel? Go, when you got to go, you got to go. Honestly, it feels gross. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like using the stuff. Well, we are gross. Thanks for noticing. Well, you know, it's funny that you say that because I want us to learn something here. Women's restrooms, according to the Cleaning Industry Research Institute, 
Okay, they've swapped sinks. The CIRI. Uh, the, C- yeah. the CIRI weighed yes, in on this. The CIRI. Oh my God. Great. Siri. Uh, okay. Women's <laughs> restrooms had more bacteria present by a rate of two to one. What is that? What are you ladies doing? So it's du- How's be- this happening? It's double the dirty. Don't you wash yourselves? I I believe it. I used to. You uh, believe yes, it? Tell I'm us. shocked at tell it. Tell us your story, Gordon. I used to work as a rink attendant in one of my first jobs at a hockey arena. I want that to be my last job. Oh, yeah. it was really fun. It was really fun. Okay. Um, but the did woman- you drive a Zamboni? No, but I used to take the nets oh. off and uh, okay. I used to fill it up with water and stuff like that. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I never got, I never elevated myself to Zamboni driver. Okay, you know that's well, like that's you a know long something program. to aspire to yeah. in the next long several years. Okay, well, tell us what you saw from a male perspective. The woman's washroom was far dirtier than the men's. The men's have the the dirty spots where you think they would be around the urinal, but there <sighs> were there were little, you know those little coffee creamers you put in your coffee. They were floating in the toilet bowl. It's like <laughs> what? Why? You, There's like 300 garbages like just right by the sinks. Just hmm. why would you throw that in there? That's just so weird. Another, you know, unmentionable things in the toilet bowl as well. Wow. Because in the men's, you can see like people put their tobacco dip or you see like a cigarette in the yeah. urinal. It's so bad. Yeah. It's At least so you can, bad. You can why is there that. gum in this? Like imagine thinking there's no garbage anywhere near me. I'm going to spit my gum out while I'm taking a pee into the urinal. But yeah, these are bad gross. male habits. Yeah. I think our in for women has to be, have you used men's bathrooms and would you use men's bathrooms? And I think the male equivalent on the in part here. And so you disagree if you're out. The male part is, is it okay? And it's perfectly okay with me. This happened, by the way. I've, this has happened. I've gone to two Lilith Fair concerts. You can only imagine. <laughs> Sarah McLaughlin, like it is, it is estrogen to the max. Yeah. And I'm... Like I'm the only guy there? I'm, I'm not the only guy there, but I'm one of many only guys there. <laughs> and uh, Duran Duran was like that in the summer. Like, I know. you. I know my music. You guys know this. And I could give you a male-female ratio of what the show is going to be like Depeche Mode was probably honestly probably 60% women on on um Friday night oh but oh. if I went to see like I, I know they can't tour anymore with Neil passing but if I went to see Rush yes. that's like 90 to 10 yeah there'd be like women aren't three into Rush. women there yeah okay right. so you're in I'm in absolutely board. are yeah. you in or out I'm in too okay let me ask you this have either ever of you ever used a woman's bathroom no yes but not a communal uh, bathroom. Like if you go to a subway or something or like a like a breakfast, like a sunset grill and the male one is occupied. My first choice would be to go into the family one. Now, I have done that. And then that has this weird door locking thing. Oh, right. Right. Where the button and it, it yeah. it's shut slowly. It's like it's automated. It's like yeah. it's steam powered. Okay. It's not good in a hurry. But then you get if someone's waiting, <laughs> like I've had a mom waiting outside that bathroom with like a stroller <laughs> yeah. and then I get an evil look. Yeah. I, That's awkward. I'm, it's really bad. But okay, so we're all in on this. Let us know. Are you in or out on women using men's bathrooms? I mean, because when you're seven or eight months pregnant, you got to go. I don't yeah. care who's in front of me. Yeah. Move out of my way because there's you're not going to like what happens if I don't use the bathroom. Right. So like even at exactly. And I think at Bud Stage at Scotiabank, like for big concerts and whatnot, and we're referencing this if you just joined us because this is happening at stadiums where Taylor Swift is playing, where there's just an overwhelming demand for women to use the bathroom vis-a-vis men. The concept is, is very much... Um, like, I don't know what the stall versus urinal ratio is. Sometimes I, you walk into a place and there's 12 urinals yeah. and two stalls. Yes. I was just going to say that. And here's the, con- here's, the, here's the controversial part. NFL stadiums and a couple old baseball stadiums are the only places I've seen. Sheba, you're not going to like this. And anybody eating breakfast isn't where there's a trough. Oh, the and trough. And the trough is intimidating. There's no, yeah. there's, n- there's no. Wait, the- what, a tr- in the bathroom? 
Yes. Yeah. And Why? that's where you that's where you number one it. Yeah. Because What's there, the difference between a trough and a urinal? <laughs> uh, well. It's a common like river. Oh wait, you guys like gather around it? Yes. Yeah, or it's just oh. a one like it's a, bad. Like a line. Is it like a, is it circular? Sorry, no, no, no. It's not circular. You can't see anybody else, but like it's it's just like a long <laughs> How trough. would I put it? It's a long, like trough. seven men could line up side by yeah. side by side by side. But there is pressure. Like I feel that if I'm not going right pressure away. Pressure for what? Like speed? Yes. Yeah. Distance? Oh God. Oh, so it's a competition. Drunk drunk Buffalo Bills like fan. Like I don't want to bias any uh, any like jobs, but like. That is so awkward. Yeah. Big, big burly trucker. Like the guys that were bothering Thelma and Louise and Thelma and Louise are like bo- yelling at you. Hey, let's go there, buddy. Come on, hurry up. I'm like, holy cow. That's heat that I don't need right now to get well, this done. The problem with the trough is at least the urinal, there's defined space because the urinal <laughs> says this is the space yeah. you got to be. With the trough is like, you know, if there's a spot, somebody's barging their way through. Oh. And if you're if you're younger yeah. and you're littler, it's even more. Oh my intimidating. god! Yeah, taking your son in there yeah. is not no. fun. Oh no. god! I forgot that I've done that a couple Goodness. times with the trough business. Yeah, and they look at you like, Dad. I thought we grew up Who in a civilized deal with the world. Trough? Like that's that's calling you guys a bunch of animals. You it, guys are a bunch of animals. It really is. Well, it really is. This is Toronto today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news today's talk six forty Toronto. Anthony Fury is running for mayor as well. Um, he joins us now, and uh, you want to weigh in on on this issue. What about what I said? Did I mean the mayor? The mayor and city council did nothing on this file for the last the last decade, and now all of a sudden everybody says, "Oh, this is a massive issue. It's one of the biggest electoral issues." Well, why wasn't it the last four elections? Hey, Greg, great to be here. And you were right; it's not just other cities' transit networks. It's Anywhere you go, a mom-and-pop coffee shop, they say, here's the Wi-Fi password, there you go. It's being provided pretty much everywhere by everyone, but not our major transit system. And why is it that what's provoked this issue is not anything that these incumbent city councillors running for mayor have done, but it's what's happening from Rogers. This is a corporate press release that has prompted this. This is not action from City Hall. It was not action from the mayor's office. Whoever knew that Rogers would actually be the first mover in all of this when it actually comes to innovation? Instead, we've got council being the ones who had dragged their feet on all of this. It's quite frustrating. Could, the, could there be back-channeling, though? Could there be conversations from current council members, from Deputy Mayor McKelvey, to the telecom saying, look, we need action on this. Could that be the case? And we don't know about it yet. No, but here's the back channeling, Greg. The back channeling is that this is going to take two years to get into operation because of city logistics. So Rogers is saying, let's get her done. We're good to go. And the city is already saying, well, hold, hold on a second there. Let's, let's not talk fast about this. Let's put up the roadblocks because uh, there are things that do and don't allow Uh, construction and changes to be put into the subway system. Can we please find ways to expedite it, though? Can we please say, and this is what I would do in the mayor's office, guys, the people are saying loud and clear, they want this done yesterday. If this is done two years from now, how does this help all these parents who are saying, I never thought I'd find a situation where I'm worried for my child's safety while they are on transit? Greg, we want to talk about more people being able to use the TTC. We want to get those ridership numbers up. How are you going to be able to do that in a situation where you have safety concerns? 
you got to move this faster. And that's one thing that I will do in the mayor's office. I will just light a fire under these guys' rears saying, you got to get this timeline moving here. And it seems like Rogers is going to be a very willing partner in all of this. But the city is already doing that classic thing of making sure projects take as long as possible. So you'd pledge, you'd pledge, you'd pledge to get this done a lot faster than 24 months. Oh, sure, because I, I think they're just being told the usual business as usual thing where everybody knows that the city says, OK, it's going to take this number of months. It obviously takes six months or nine months longer. No, we've got to say all hands on deck getting this moving because, Greg, I'm going around the city chatting with people on the phone, sitting down, meeting with people. They're bringing up this issue. So when you get a mandate from everyone in Scarborough, North York, Etobicoke, I'm not going downtown unless I have these concerns addressed. This is clearly a five alarm topic where you got to say all hands on deck for this. And this is what I will do. The wait up is unacceptable. For once, we've got Rogers being the partner saying, let's get her done. So let's move ahead with them. Anthony Fury is our guest on Toronto today on, on 640 Toronto. What I'm hearing all morning from people is just exactly that, saying even if safety isn't an issue, even if it's not, it's just the lack of connectivity. I know, and you can probably look at your own life and say, there's times I've gotten in the car because I want to listen to the radio and I or I want to listen to a podcast or I have two important phone calls to make. You sure can't do, do that riding north, south or east, west on the TTC. So you're, you feel behind the eight ball when you get to your office or you get back home. You didn't get done what you wanted to get done. The TTC hasn't allowed for that. I think that's a massive reason why number why why the numbers are down. It's not just a bunch of people being scared. That's legitimate. But it's the other issue as well. Bingo. You've nailed it. I like taking the subway. I do it regularly. I actually took public transit down to register for City Hall. And I didn't know I needed to make a big uh, statement about how the fact I I took transit down, because that's actually what my family does uh, every second day, unlike the others who who made a big fanfare of, look at me, I'm on the subway. But you're totally right, Greg, that there have been times when it's like, well, you know what, I want to do the Bluetooth calls, or or there's two of us, you you know, my wife's driving, and I want to be able to send some texts and emails while I'm sitting in the passenger seat. And you're locked out from that on the subway system. So it's safety, it's connectivity. It's also time is money. If we want everybody going down there, they got to be able to not lose that hour because we live in a day and age where connectivity is key. So when I'm there, I'm going to be saying all hands on deck, guys. I mean, there's there's a lot of government agencies. There's a lot of offices, Greg. There's a lot of files where you just got to light the fire under their pants Mm. to say, let's get moving on this because the, the old way of doing things as slow as possible it ain't cutting it anymore. I got 90 seconds, so let's be tight. You know how to do that. Let me ask you about Ontario Place. Alex is talking to uh, a rep uh, from Therm Group Canada. They're seen as as the baddies here. Uh, I think way more people than not don't like this plan. I'd say that, but I'd also make the point that um, people who sat and did nothing uh, about Ontario Place for the better part of 20 years, I'm not sure I'm terribly interested in their opinion either. What what would you say to the uh, the Therm Group and what do you make of their proposal? Well, we need public space, absolutely. This is a public space, and it has to be accessible to all. There has to be a lot of options. But we also need some sizzle with that stick. We need people to say, I want to go to this place. I mean, right now, you got people going to Niagara Falls all the time, Great Wolf Lodge, places like that. I go there. I have a great time with my family. We need a wow factor element at large places like this. Look, there's a lot of acreage there. Uh, Greg, we can accomplish a lot of things there. And let's also start talking about other things. You know, Rouge Park over uh, by the eastern part of Scarborough. Mm -hmm. Let's start reminding people that we got a lot of great places here. This is not just right downtown where 
transit and transportation is difficult. We gotta we gotta start championing all those public spaces. Great stuff in Scarborough, North York, in Etobicoke. Highlight those as well. Does Ontario Place matter? You better believe it does. But we've got to capture people's imagination with it. You gotta have the wow factor. Yeah, it's gotta be. It's gotta be something. Eight forty two. Thanks very much, Anthony, for uh, weighing in on this issue. I know we'll talk really soon. Thanks so much, Greg. Anthony Fury is running for mayor of Toronto.